morning, church. If you have a copy of God's Word, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the first chapter of Mark's Gospel. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45 this morning. I wonder how many of you know what it is to feel left out, maybe recently. Maybe you were overlooked recently. Do you, do you know what that feels like a little bit? Do you have a little bit of experience with being on the fringes or being left out? Just imagine after work, you stop by Nukes, you're going to pick up some tomato, tomato basil soup, and you're there, and you look at two tables that are joined together, and you begin to recognize the faces, and there's like 14, 15 people that you work with, and all of a sudden you realize that Betty from accounting is celebrating her birthday with all your coworkers, and somehow you were left off the invitation list. You don't have to be seven years old. You don't have to be 17 years old for that to still hurt. 27, 37, 57, 87, to be overlooked, to be forgotten is something that still stings in the insecurity of all of us. But if you take that one step further and not just unintentionally overlooked or maybe just left off the invitation list, but, but to be really on the fringes, to be ostracized, to be forgotten, to feel as if you're an outcast or a misfit. That's a whole nother story. It very well may be that through your words or someone else's words, words around a holiday table, that now that table is a place that you cannot come again and it be the same. You feel ostracized from those who you love the most. Well, that's a whole nother story, isn't it? Now, now most of us in the sanctuary this morning, we, we don't go five days or five weeks or five months or five years with a scarlet letter brandished upon us in this Hester Prynne type of way, announcing before everyone, look at what we've been accused of doing or look what we have done. Most of us don't go through life like that. But there are times... There are times where we feel as if we are outcast, ostracized, on the fringes. That can happen. It happened 2,000 years ago, certainly. It happened in a way that none of us in this sanctuary can begin to even possibly imagine. This encounter that Jesus has in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45 is with one who very definition of his life was to be on the outs, to be ostracized, to be a misfit. Mark chapter 1 verses 40 through 45 come at the conclusion of Mark chapter 1, which is answering one predominant question, who is Jesus? Through his baptism, we know that he is the beloved Son of God. Through the resistance of temptation in the wilderness, we know that Jesus, unlike Adam and Eve, is one who will resist, resist the ploys of Satan, will be able to overturn and provide a victory where Adam and Eve fell, so Jesus will prove faithful. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. You have two sets of brothers that are fishermen that Jesus said, hey, drop your nets, leave your father, and become fishers of men. And they both do it. It's a portrait of undivided obedience. What we looked at even last week in our Disciple Now weekend. 
There's a transition in Mark's gospel after the temptation of Jesus, after his baptism, after that call to undivided obedience. And it shows us a portrait of Jesus, the miracle worker. You know, it's one of the things that's unique about Mark's gospel. There are more miracle accounts in Mark's gospel than there are episodes of teaching. But don't need to think that we need to pit his miracles versus his teaching because his miracles teach us who he is. They teach us how the kingdom of God conflicts with the kingdom of this earth. We see it in his first reported miracle there in the synagogue at Capernaum. There is a demon-possessed man, and Jesus exercises the demon out of that man. Well, that is going to draw a crowd. That is going to get people talking about Jesus. Simon Andrew's mother has a fever. Jesus shows up at the house, heals her. That draws a crowd. That draws people who are longing for what they hear that Jesus can do, for that to actually intersect their life. And so in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45, we have this portrait of a person who was ostracized on the outs, who was in the very fringes of society, who comes before Jesus, laying before him, saying, you can make me clean. Read with me in your copy of God's Word, this very encounter. starts in verse 40. We read, And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Who, with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately, Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone but go. Show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he, man, just absolutely ignored what Jesus said in verse 45. He went out and began to freely talk about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in the desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's think about the leper here this morning. Let's think this morning about the leper's plight and let's think this morning about the leper's plea. You see his plight, you see his plea in verse 40. Leprosy 2,000 years ago was certainly much more common than it is in our modern world. There's still pockets within our world that leprosy exists. In Palestine 2,000 years ago, it was common. There were 83 different skin conditions that rabbis called leprosy, so you had a confluence and convergence of many skin diseases that would be contained under the title of leprosy. Leprosy as we know it, leprosy that was existing then and still exists now, had a physical component to it, had a social component to it, had a spiritual component to it. Physically, literally, uh, your skin begins to rot away. Extremities of your body might fall off. I mean, it is something that is uh, the worst imaginable thing that could occur in that day then, to have leprosy. Socially, Especially in a faithful Jewish context, socially you were outcast. You were ostracized from family and friends lest they become ritually unclean through your leprosy. It was thought then that leprosy was highly contagious, so most lepers ended up on the fringes. Most lepers ended up in the wilderness in desolation without hope. 
Socially, if you come into an inhabited place 2,000 years ago and you have leprosy, you have to announce your presence by saying, unclean, unclean. Not in the Old Testament, but in Jewish rabbinical writings that are contemporaneous to Jesus' ministry, you have stories of lepers going under trees, and hours later, someone else without leprosy would come under that same tree, the same shadows cast over the same branches, and it was believed that that person would be ritually unclean. Leprosy was serious 2,000 years ago. Not only physically, but socially, it alienated you in every way, away from your family, away from friends, away from a worshiping community, but it had a spiritual component to it also. Not just social, not just physical, but spiritually, one who has leprosy was believed to be cursed by God. Josephus, an ancient Jewish historian writing in that first century world, said that, that a leper was is dead. He or she was a, a dead man walking. This is the leper's plight. We don't know his name. He's a leper. We don't know his profession. He's a leper. We don't know about his family. He's a leper. We don't know about his hobbies. He's a leper. All of his life is contained in his condition. All of his life is summed up in his disease. This is his identity. This is his plight. It's not the end of the story, though. Because we see not just the leper's plight, but we see the leper's plea in verse 40, in verse 41. You read that the leper comes before Jesus, imploring him, kneeling before him, and he says, if you will, you can make me clean. Now notice a couple of things about this. One, the leper is so desperate that the leper breaks all social and religious customs of the day. A leper could not come into the presence of someone who is clean, who doesn't have leprosy, by, by this amount. that You could not have 50 paces between you and another person. This leper had to stay 50 paces away from Jesus, breaks all types of social and religious protocol, goes before him, implores him. That's kind of a cold word, implore. It's actually a word in Mark's gospel that oftentimes gets translated begged. And that gives you a better idea of what this leper is doing here. He comes before Jesus with the audacity to come into his presence, begging him with these very words. If you will, you can make me clean. Notice he doesn't say, if you will, you can make me well. Because this leper understands that it's more than just physical cleansing that he needs. He wants to be restored socially to the community. He wants to be restored spiritually to God, to be able to worship him. So he is asking for Jesus to reverse the physical implications of leprosy, the spiritual implications, and the social implications. If this was a Greek leper, make me well, Jesus. A Roman leper, make me well. No, this Jewish leper says, make me clean. He is asking from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet into the very soul of his essence, do to me what no doctor can, what no one else can do for me. I am hopeless with my plight, so I cast my cares to you. This is his plea. I imagine. 
Somebody would have seen this leper coming and saying, do you see what he's doing? Do you see that person? Get, get away, scoot back. You can imagine the leper and Jesus sort of having a personal conversation because no one wanted to be contaminated. No one wanted to be ritually made impure by being in the presence of this leper. You can imagine people whispering, well, that, he's too far gone. But why is, why is he bothering Jesus? You know, in many ways, the, the leper's plea is really an invitation for each and of us, each and every one of us, to pray. Notice what he says. If you will, you can make me clean. Notice that this leper is saying, he's not saying, can you make me clean? He, he says, if you will, you can do this. As hopeless as his situation is, as physically, spiritually, and socially destitute as this person is, he cast all of that off, and he pleads for the healing of his Savior. You know, there's some of you in this room, oh, you don't suffer from a modern-day form of leprosy, but there is something that has happened in your life. There, there's something that is occurring that makes you hesitant to go before the Lord in prayer. There are times as if you, you feel when you pray that they don't ever make it past the, the ceiling. You, at times you think that the situation is so far gone, why even bother God with it? Decades have happened. You've stopped praying Wondering, uh, if, will God ever do anything? And does it even matter now? And this leopard shows us, he shows us the audacity of coming before the Lord and saying this, if you will, you can. And this is true with God. Nothing is impossible with God. So do not hesitate to knock on his door, no matter how big the ask is. For the leper, it was all of his life, all of his disappointment. All of the destitute and, and, and brokenness and pain he brings before Jesus in this moment. And so it is with you. If you will, you can bring my prodigal daughter back home. If you will, you can heal me of the disease that I've been diagnosed with. If you will, you can soften the hardness of my spouse's heart. If you will, you can bring my co-worker into a saving knowledge of you. If you will, you can. Doesn't it balance sort of what we know about prayer? We know that when we pray that, that we're casting our cares to a sovereign God and that sovereign God answers our prayers in a way that is mysterious to us in the sanctuary. God is not a divine vending machine that you put your 25 cents, your quarter worth of a prayer, and you press A3, and the answer to your prayer comes out like you think it should come. There are times where God answers, yes, right now. There are times where God says, wait, not now. And there are times where God says, no, never. And how he answers our prayers is a mystery to us in our finite state here on earth. There are times where we don't even know that the Lord has answered our prayers. It only is when we're years down the road and we look back and we say, Oh! Oh! I see now 
that that's how you answered my prayer. Well, it certainly wasn't the way I thought you were going to answer it. And so every time we come before the Lord, we come with this model of faith that the leper has. If you will, you can. If you will, you can. Ultimately, it foreshadows the very words of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where he says, not my will be done, but thy will be done. So don't hesitate to pray big. Don't hesitate to pray in a way that is casting all of yourself at the mercy of a sovereign God, saying, if you will, I know you can, because nothing is impossible with you. And we trust that the way that he answers our prayers is always his goodness and his sovereignty meshed together, even when we cannot understand it. This is the Lord's will for your life and my life. It's the leper's plea in light of his plight. And then we discover in this beautiful passage, the Lord's touch. Read with me in verses 41 through 42, moved with pity. Moved with pity, Jesus was. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately, that Mark loves that word. It's just immediately, 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 immediately. We see it again and again in Mark chapter 1 and beyond. Immediately the leprosy left him. And not just the leprosy left him, but he was made clean. The spiritual effects of leprosy reversed. The physical effects reversed. The social effects reversed. The, the leper's audacity to fall before him and to beg for healing. What was Jesus supposed to do in this moment? He was supposed to recall in self-defense. He was supposed to get away. This is what a faithful Jewish rabbi would have done, is to move away from the leper. But no, Jesus does the opposite. He doesn't recall from the leper, but he reaches out. He stretches out his hand to do the unthinkable, to touch him. Well, of course Jesus would become ritually unpure and unclean in this moment. Jesus does the opposite of what we think he should do. He reaches out and touches him, and immediately this man was made clean. Now, Jesus could have healed him in any way that he desired to. We know in John chapter 11, there is a lifeless corpse by the name of Lazarus that Jesus just says, Lazarus, come forth. Doesn't touch that corpse just speaks it into existence. And here we have that detail that Jesus stretched out his hand to touch this leper. Paul Brand was a physician who specialized in the late 20th century with leprosy, predominantly in India. His life work was treating lepers. And he did much research to help us understand some of the difficulty of leprosy. One of the things that that Paul Brand talks about in this wonderful book that he co-authored with Philip Yancey called The Gift of Pain is that leprosy has this way of numbing the senses of the person that has leprosy. It, It is what he called a painless hell, the existence of leprosy. 
your extremities. You aren't able to sense. You're not able to feel. You can't feel with your hands. You can't feel uh, with your ears or your nose. You can't feel it. Your, your toes are desensitized. And so you can't have feeling in this. It's, it's a painless hell this existence is, so much so that you're prone to frostbite because you can't feel the sensation of extreme cold. You're prone to, to being burned because you can't feel the sensation of extreme heat. This is what it was like to be a leper. This is what it's like to be a leper. You couple that with the social alienation of leprosy. You couple that with no one would touch a leper. No one would become in contact with a leper. And then you begin to see why Jesus would have stretched his arm out to touch this person. Because maybe for months, maybe for years, maybe for decades, this person has not been embraced This person has not felt someone touch their hand. And so it was that the first sense of touch that this leper had in maybe decades was the very touch of Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Don't tell anybody. Isn't that surprising to you? Doesn't that sort of go against the Great Commission? Aren't we supposed to go and make disciples? I mean, isn't this this wonderful testimony? We've got to get him on a speaking circuit. We've got to get a Cliff Barrows to kind of open up for him. We've got to put some tents up. We've got to say, this was a leper. Now I'm clean. Let's go around and tell people about this. And Jesus says, shh, shh. Why in the world did he shush the leper's testimony? But we see it, we kind of see the results of it. The leper does the very opposite of this. Jesus strongly commands him, don't tell anybody, go to the temple so that they can see there is a sense in which Jesus is, is bringing about a testimony to the very Jewish people at the very heart of it to show his miracles. But there is something much more practical. He's already drawing a crowd. He's already being impressed by the crowds. So he realizes what happens in verse 45, that when the leper goes and tells everybody, the crowds become so much that they force Jesus out of the town into the wilderness. Do you see the irony of what Jesus does with this leper? When Jesus stretches his hand and touches this leper, they trade places. The leper who had been in the wilderness, now is able to come back into the town. And Jesus, whose ministry was based in the town, now has to go into the wilderness, now has to go into the fringes. The, the one who was an outcast is now able to be embraced. The one who is our Savior and Lord now has to become an outcast. This is a portrait of your salvation. This is a portrait of my salvation. He takes from us our infirmities, our leprosy. He leaves that eternal place of a relationship with his Father and the Spirit, and he comes and he dwells with us, and he takes upon himself our sin. He is our substitute on the cross, and he pays what we cannot pay by bearing the very weight of our sin, bearing the physical, the social, and the spiritual implications of your sin and my sin. 
He pays it all upon the cross. He trades places for us and through the crucifixion and through his resurrection, while we who are aliens to God, enemies of God, are able to come into a relationship with him because Jesus on the cross would be alienated from God the Father when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father Damien was a 19th century Catholic missionary. He goes to the fifth largest Hawaiian island that happened to have a colony of lepers in the 19th century. He lives with these individuals, ministers to them, learns their language, actually establishes a school. There hadn't been a school there before. Creates a choir able to fashion indigenous instruments. And this becomes a place where you would go to die. And now there becomes a place where you would live. Uh, people, when they died in this leper colony, they died destitute. They, they died with no one because they were so fearful to come in contact. And Father Damien does something that's so unique. He, with his own hands, fashions 2,000 caskets in his ministry. 16 years with his own hands so that the lepers in this Hawaiian island colony are able to die with dignity. It used to become, it used to, was known as a place you would die, and it became known for a place that there was life and vibrancy all through the ministry of this Father Damien. 16 years into his ministry, 16 years of embracing these people, 16 years of coming in contact with these people, 16 years of ministering to them in their sickness and in their hurt, one day it comes to this culmination where he stands up to deliver a sermon before them, and he starts his sermon with two words, we lepers. We lepers. Father Damien didn't just come to minister to these people. He became one of them. He not only touched them, but he lived in their skin. He would die as they died. And so it is that God the Father would start the sermon of John 3.16, that for God so loved the world that he would say, We lepers. He would send his son to live in our skin, to die as we die, to be able to bring us into a relationship with him. Why did he do this for you? Why did he do this for me? Because he's that crazy about you. That the infinite creator of the universe loves you this much. He loves you so much that he shows you that display in and through his son, Jesus. Do you know that love? Do you feel the depths of that love? My boys are too old for this now, but when they were younger, with Hayden and Luke and Jonathan, I had this routine with them where I pulled them close to me. And I would say, Hayden, do you know how much your daddy loves you? He, do you know that daddy loves you this much? And Hayden would go, no, 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 no. I said, does, does your daddy love you this much? No, 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 no. And I would always say, Hayden, Luke, Jonathan, your, your dad loves you this much. And I would stretch out my arms as 
far as I could, to show them as far as I can reach in every fiber of my being, this is my attention, this is my love, this is my care for you because you are my son. Hear God the Father calling you to him this morning, saying, do you know how much I love you? Not this much, not this much, but this much. And the closer that we look, the more we see those outstretched hands or the very outstretched hands of his son, and the more we look, we see the nail-scarred prints upon him. The more that we look, we realize that he loves us this much. Every one of us in the sanctuary at times can feel feel forgotten, feel looked over. And maybe because of life and circumstances, there's some mistakes, there's some hurts, there's some pains, so much so that you feel as if you're ostracized even from those who are closest to you. Know this morning, you're loved by God the Father so much. Well, it's this much. Let us pray. In light of the mercy that you have shown to us, God, so you call us to the fringes every person that's in this sanctuary that knows the love of our Heavenly Father. It is a love that leads us to the hurting, that leads us to those who feel forgotten. So this week, will you give us, God, in light of the mercy that you have shown us through your Son Jesus upon the cross, would you, would you lead us to the neighbor who feels forgotten this week, the co-worker who feels as if they're an outcast. The person in our family that feels misunderstood. A spouse, a son, a daughter. May this week, may your mercy lead us to the fringes. Lead us to the hurting. So that they, that we, could maybe feel just a little touch of the Master's hand. We pray this in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus. Amen.